time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, with the uh, adage these days, have you had your flu shot? You might be interested to know that according to the Centers for Disease Control, only 40% of doctors have had their flu shot. He joins us on a regular basis. It gives us the opportunity to talk about science-based nutrient supplementation. He is the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition International, a noted nutritional research scientist. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today, debuting a series on women's health. No bones about it. We'll talk about vitamin D, vitamin K2, dispelling some of those myths of calcium, all about healthy bones for women's health, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Gee, unfortunately, we, we just don't find the, the same level of interest in this country as we do, uh, for example, recently the uh, Canadian Cancer Society said you better get some vitamin D each and every day if you want to reduce your risk of, of breast and prostate cancer, which led a lot of Canadians to go to their local store, buy some vitamin D supplement, and start taking it on a regular basis. This comes from the Daily Mail out of Great Britain, and it's it's in that same genre of science-based information that's empowering to you and me. What they're reporting on is the fact that we have now isolated naturally occurring compounds in places like rice and berries, bilberries in particular, red wine, that help prevent cancer. British scientists are studying four different pills from Thai sticky rice, from bilberries, from red wine, and from uh, spices because um, the, the major cancer uh, research nonprofit organization there, the Cancer Research UK, believes that the answer to preventing breast, colon, and prostate cancer may be things like resveratrol from red wine. And because these diseases cost the British National Health Service a great deal of money, uh, for example, um, uh, things like breast cancer, that cost the National Health Service 14 billion pounds last year. They find that tricin, T-R-I-C-I-N, found in Thai sticky rice, resveratrol from red wine, curcumin from turmeric, and anthocyanins from bilberries, which are English blueberries, are just like this force, this awesome foursome in terms of fighting breast, colon, and prostate cancer. So who among us wouldn't eat a little more um, curry, a little more bilberries, red wine, sticky rice, if we knew it could aid in the fight against Cancer, intriguing, empowering information as well. With the revelation that our foods are 28,000 times less likely 
to contain the omega-3 fatty acids than 100 years ago. This is published research in the last week's Journal of the American Medical Association. Comes the, uh, the recommendation this week from a coalition called National Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies. It's part of the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institute on Child Health, the American Academy of Pediatrics, saying that 90% of American women are consuming less than the recommended amount of fish, which means that 90% of American women of childbearing age aren't getting enough of the essential fatty acids that any woman of childbearing age should consume at least 12 ounces of fatty fish mackerel, sardines, light tuna, salmon, each and every week. If you want to stay away from uh, these sources of the omega-3 fatty acids because you're concerned about DDT and pesticides and mercury, walnuts, ground flax, leafy green vegetables also contain these compounds. But of all the industrialized countries, we have, again, a dubious distinction of having women of childbearing age with the lowest levels of EPA and DHA. So why fish is an important source of protein, good brain foods according to our mother, more and more American women are staying away from the fish but forgetting you need to supplement your diet. With 90% of women consuming less than the recommended amount of fish, according to the National Healthy Mothers Healthy Babies Coalition. We've got a lot of work to do. Speaking of work, many of us think that we're doing our part as a wise healthcare consumer if we have regular colonoscopies. Today's New England Journal of Medicine is talking about virtual versus traditional colonoscopy. The differences are many. Traditional colonoscopy and virtual colonoscopy have a preparation procedure. You have to, to clean those valves. You have to use cathartics, laxatives, change your diet to clean those valves. Those valves. Then, big difference. Of course, the traditional colonoscopies are done under sedation. You have to take off work for the whole day. You have to have somebody uh, drive you there and pick you up. Um, and that process of colonoscopy carries risk with it. Um, sedation always carries risk. There's a risk of puncturing the bowel. If you, decide, you know, describe that procedure to somebody, you know, many people don't find it very palatable. Even physicians don't find it palatable. So then there is the virtual colonoscopy. In essence, swallowing a capsule that uses a CT scanner to take a series of x-rays of the colon and a computer that creates a 3D view of your colon. And what they find is that the studies now endorse the fact that the virtual colonoscopies, which are a little less expensive, certainly less risky, are just as good as the traditional colonoscopies. They're recommended for everybody over the age of 50. Only about half get tested. If you want to find out if it's right for you, I would encourage you to pick up Dr. Gilbert Welch's book. Dr. Welch is a professor of medicine at Dartmouth University School of Medicine who wrote the book, Should I Be Tested for Cancer? And uh, maybe not, and here's why. 
because he believes if you have a lifestyle that puts you at risk for colon cancer or a family history of colon cancer, you should be screened. Otherwise, mass screening often produces more risk than benefit. A traditional colonoscopy costs about $3,300 if you're in a Wisconsin hospital. A virtual colonoscopy, $1,100. Big difference. So knowing that um, th- th- there are some differences here, it's up to you and me as healthcare consumers to take a look at what's the difference between traditional versus virtual colonoscopy. Is it the right screening test for me? With now in today's New England Journal of Medicine studies endorsing that virtual colonoscopy. Well, it's a surge according to Medco Health Solutions. Those are the people that follow the prescription use in this country. They find that there's more than 2 million U.S. children age 18 and under using prescription drugs for heartburn. That's an amazing increase. 56% increase in the last five years. And, of course, you have to ask yourself, why? There is increasing information that because our children eat large meals, eat too late at night, eat meals that are devoid of protein, we create the system of that acid reflux, that sphincter between the esophagus and the stomach not closing tightly. Fiber content affects that. The balance of fiber in your in your diet affects that. Eating large meals affects that. Eating too late at night affects that. With a surge in the kids' use of heartburn drugs. And it's a big PS here. These drugs have never been tested on children. Well, speaking of drugs, the classification of drugs that includes Aricept one of the well-known Alzheimer's disease, reported in the New York Times to have virtually no beneficial effect on Alzheimer's disease, has now been put to additional test published in today's New England Journal of Medicine. They concluded that Aricept is ineffective for the agitation of Alzheimer's. Well, what is? The British medical literature is clear that lemon balm and rosemary work for the agitation of Alzheimer's. We'll be back. We'll talk about uh, what puts you at a higher risk of depression. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be taking up the topic of the health of women's bones with Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today from Schiff International, inviting you to join us as always right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. If you think Feng Shui is the latest Jackie Chan movie... You need Healthy Talk Radio. Where we'll be talking today about women's health, our focus on science-based nutrient supplementation. Uh, We'll talk about calcium and uh, minerals and vitamin K2 and vitamin D for the health of women's bones with Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today at the bottom of the hour. Uh, But we'd be remiss not to mention what appears in the uh, current American Journal of Public Health, a number of studies finding that if we're stressed at, uh, at work, it can affect... Uh, your health dramatically. Uh, researchers that finding among uh, more than 24,000 working adults, these were Canadian adults, 
that um, those under heavy stress at work were much more likely to be depressed. And we now link depression to more heart disease, more health care ills. So we take those troubles to heart, those molecules of emotion do have a role to play in overall health with work stress tired tied to a higher risk of depression. So may want to reevaluate your uh, occupation uh, in light of the fact that it does uh, have a role to play in our health. Well, apparently it has uh, generated from a unique idea, literally on a napkin, to the Cleveland Clinic advancing a neurological approach to treating diseased coronary arteries that could potentially replace drug-coated stents. That drug-coated stents uh, take a biological, a physical approach to keeping vessels clear. The director of the Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Restoration Department, Dr. Razai, is experimenting with electricity. Dr. Razai says electrodes could supplant drugs embedded on stents and improve the safety profile. They believe that they can marry the fields of neuromodulation, cardiology, and cardiovascular medicine. Of course, the intriguing thing is that uh, we still fail to approach from conventional cardiology the fact that the worldwide literature is clear heart disease is man-made. And unless we address people's lifestyle we will never address the cause of the disorder. The cause of the disorder. So why it may be important for all those people who already have blockage, what do we need to know in terms of lifestyle? We know our diet makes a difference. We know that a plant-based diet is much less likely to have high blood pressure, a risk of heart attack or stroke, or even blockage. We know that supplements make a difference. Supplements like vitamin K2, um, vitamin D, aged garlic, vitamin C deficiencies all set the stage for more heart disease. Exercise makes a huge difference in terms of one's risk of heart disease. Thanks to just this week's um, uh, Medscape, where conventional doctors go for their medical information, we know that physiological and psychological causes of high blood pressure and heart disease and risk of heart attack and stroke are not to be taken lightly. In fact, we know that taking those troubles to heart can produce measurable heart disease. So it will be intriguing. In fact, uh, we'll have to get on the, the horn and uh, talk with the Cleveland Clinic, invite them to join us here on the air to talk about their experiments with electricity to potentially replace drug-coated stents. The ultimate answer to each and every one of us to, uh, is to empower us that we have heart disease in large part because of how we have, through lifestyle choices, taken care of our genes. So how do we learn to fill that closet differently? Our genes build the closet. It's up to you and me how we fill that closet. 
Well, it comes from the current issue of obstetrics and gynecology, fueling a growing concern that the national guidelines regarding pregnancy are outdated, that we now find that obese women who gain little or no weight during pregnancy have favorable outcomes, that that old adage that women should gain at least 15 pounds during pregnancy don't take into account that many women are already overweight or obese when they become pregnant and that women by not gaining weight in their pregnancy reduce their risk of preeclampsia, have less C-sections, have babies of normal weight. So perhaps those old adages need to be rethought with the least heavy obese women having the best outcomes when they gained uh, 10 to 25 pounds and the next heavier group of obese women who became pregnant had the best outcome if they gained no weight to just 10 pounds. And in fact, uh, the heaviest obese women who became pregnant had the best outcome in their pregnancy if they lost weight. Far different from those old adages that all women should gain at least 15 pounds during pregnancy. Well, I dare say it's a panel conclusion about which we could all agree. With our armed forces, our men and women putting their lives on the line for us every single minute of every single hour, of every single day, of week, of month, a special commission, the Veterans Disabilities Benefit Commission, indicating after two and a half years of study that veterans' disability payments should be increased immediately to compensate for that wounded warrior's loss of quality of life. That often uh, our veterans who have been wounded fare very poorly in terms of long-term outcome when they should be the one to garner the most from all of us who would say, you have served us, we are you know, privileged to have you do so. We are honored by your service. We have such gratitude for your service. And why don't we do a better job of compensating those wounded warriors whose lives are forever changed because they put their lives on the line for us? interesting commission, two-and-a-half-year study, and a conclusion that we would hope would be implemented almost immediately. Kidney stones, urinary stones, ooh, bladder stones, those are very, very painful. Now there is a novel device out of Switzerland, according to the British Journal of Urology International, published at today's um, uh, uh, Medscape, it's a high-powered, handheld, portable lithotripter. In other words, it's um, a, a, a means of breaking up those stones that they say is much better than the big machines. They're portable. So they call it the Stone Breaker, a novel, high-powered, handheld, portable lithotripper made by LMA Urology out of Switzerland. You may want to ask your doctor about it if you are a potential candidate to have those kidney stones broken up. They can be very painful to pass.
Well, not to scare you, but according to the current archives of internal medicine, if you are postmenopausal, a woman with an elevated white blood count, you are an increased risk of developing cancer. Of course, there are many lifestyle factors and risk factors when it comes to developing cancer, of which we need to be aware. Uh, keep in mind, it's just one piece of the puzzle. High white cell count may predict cancer. Now, according to newly published studies. Speaking of studies, what about science-based nutrient supplementation? We'll examine it with Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today to talk about women's health issues, starting with women's bones. Dr. Luke Bucci uh, is the Vice President of Nutritional Research for SHIF, joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Warning, Healthy Talk Radio presents revolutionary information that could cause facial tics and foaming at the mouth, but it's backed up by documented research and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors. But hey, it's not like they went to medical school. This segment with Dr. Luke Bucci is sponsored by Schiff, the brand consumers have trusted for 70 years, and the maker of Schiff Super Calcium Magnesium with Vitamin D. And our regular opportunity uh, to talk about science-based nutrient supplementation from uh, somebody who is no better guide, a noted research scientist, educator, clinician, and author. He serves as the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition International. He's Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today to debut a new series. Our focus will be women's health. We'll cover all of the uh, the bases of women's health from um, um the inside out, uh, digestive health, gender specific nutrients to uh, cardiovascular health, starting today with no bones about it. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today. Luke, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. Nice to have you join us. Oh, thanks. Well, lots of um, interesting unfolding news. In fact, just this week with the 2006 bibliography just coming out about dietary supplement advances, uh, many of the nutrients of which we're going to be speaking today, vitamin K2, vitamin D, made that top 25 list, Luke. Oh, wonderful. And in fact, uh, this is, I guess, your listeners' lucky day because... I actually attended the American College of Nutrition meeting last week in Orlando and spoke with Dr. Rebecca Costello, who's in charge of that, uh, that actual thing. It's, it's a, a part of the Office of Dietary Supplements, and uh-huh. they are putting together, I think, uh, a good, all the research, and, you know, they're looking at it and going, hey, this is, this is good research. These are good nutrients. So it's wonderful to see that our tax dollars are at work. And uh, it is publicly available and accessible, too. That's the nice part. I think if you just do a web search for Office of Dietary Supplements, or ODS, that will get you to it. So give us an overview, because many of us have been exposed to the mass uh, marketing message that bones are only about calcium. Give us an overview of, of nutrients and bone health, please, Luke. Okay, yeah, that's been an oversimplification, and if that were true, we'd know it would have osteoporosis, but it still happens. So obviously there's a few missing things, and that's what I really wanted to talk about today is um, what are the major missing parts. Yes, you, your bones do need a certain amount of calcium. You need to get it from your diet and or supplements, but you need to take in a certain amount or you have no hope of building bones. But 
a lot of people are in that zone where there is enough calcium around to feed the bones, but it's just not being put into the bones, and there's other factors that are causing the bones to slowly melt away. And that's what two of these uh, top 25 nutrients are all about. And there are fat-soluble vitamin friends, vitamin D and vitamin K. So I'd like to kind of start with vitamin D because, wow, talk about a comeback. (laughs) It's, It's the comeback vitamin. But with the, you know postmenopausal women, um, you know being of of significant risk in terms of bone health, yet the study showing us that they're probably the most deficient population in this country in vitamin D. Um, how how does it relate to the health of our bones, Luke? Oh, that's right. Well, uh, obviously we all know that bone is a calcium mineral. Well, how how does your body get calcium? It gets it from the diet, regardless of whether you get it from milk or foods or chewing bones or pills. Vitamin D is absolutely required for your intestine to absorb calcium and put it into the bloodstream. Plus, calcium is absolutely required to control all the hormones that move around and process calcium. Uh, And that includes getting it into the bone cells. And, wait, there's more. Vitamin D is, again, absolutely required in the bone cells themselves to activate them to actually put calcium into new bone and to tone down the breakdown of bone. So it does several things at once. And the only thing that was really noticed until the last few years was its ability to help calcium get absorbed from the intestine. But it's so much more than that, so much more. Now, just in the last year at, at, at Medscape, so, you know, this is, is conventional medical research, you know, came the information that vitamin D is as important as calcium for healthy I, bones. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's the point here is that if you're doing calcium, you have to do vitamin D. But there's a way to do it right and a way to do it half right. And right now the RDA is not even half right. Uh, that's why you still see a lot of osteoporosis because think about it. We're, we're kind of designed to run around in the wilds without any clothes on and soaking up a lot of sun and storing up uh, vitamin D produced by sunlight on our skin uh, so we can make it through the winter. However, uh, number one, we're just not doing that. First of all, we're kind of moved away from the equator so the sun is not strong enough to activate vitamin D for at least half the year in in temperate climates, including most of the United States. Number two, we're wearing clothes. Number three, we're putting on sunscreen. Number four, we're wearing sunglasses. The retina is another place where uh, sunlight can get in to help activate vitamin D. So, in other words, we're just... um, we're just uh, short-circuiting nature's intent for us to get all the D we need from sunlight, and uh, that's not happening, and that's why everybody's deficient. So then the question is, okay, how do we get back to having good D status? Right, right. Well, the answer is not really uh, running around without clothes on, soaking up all the sun you can for uh, several good reasons, some obvious, but one not obvious, or or I guess it is obvious, is that it does increase your risk of skin cancers, and uh, that's not a good thing. So you can, okay, let's get it from the diet. All right, look around in the diet. Where do you get vitamin D? 
let's see. You have to basically be eating fish livers, or nowadays we fortify milk with a synthetic form of vitamin D that's only half as good as the kind your body makes from the sun or is found in foods. Mm-hmm. So you can do that, but you still have to take in a couple thousand calories a day in order to get the right amount of D. And, and obviously then you'd have an obesity problem that's on top of the one we already have. So getting vitamin D from sunlight and foods is just not going to cut it in the real world. Therefore, it has to be supplements. And uh, since I work for a supplement company, I'm thrilled to say that, but this that's not just my opinion. This is the expert opinion of all the gurus that have been working with vitamin D for their entire careers. And I also had the great good fortune to hear an entire session of vitamin D with some of these giants in vitamin D research, like Hector DeLuca and Robert Heaney. And I know those names don't mean anything to the listeners, but if you type in their names and look at vitamin D research, they have hundreds, hundreds of papers under their belt. And what's, tell, what's telltale is they all got up there in public and said, I take 2,000 IUs of vitamin D every day. Really? Really? That's what people need to be doing. Well, I want to ask you about the form of a vitamin D, but before we get that, Deborah has a question for you. Deborah, hello and welcome. You're on the air with Dr. Luke Bucci. Hi, thank you. That was my question. On the back of the ingredient labels, they all say, I can't pronounce it, colococosferol. The form of the vitamin D. Colocosiferol, uh-huh, right. And some of them say vitamin D3. Is that the same thing? That's the correct form, yes. Vitamin so does D3. does the label have to say vitamin D3? Uh, it's, it's, if it does, then you know you're getting the right vitamin D. The other form is vitamin D2 called ergocalciferol. Okay, so if it does say colocosiferol, then you've got the right one. Yes, that's okay. what you look for. It, some some of them, they just say vitamin D and don't tell you what kind. Now, th- then you don't know, and I, I think you should look for something that really states vitamin D3 and or cholecalciferol. That's what your body makes, that's what's in foods, and that's what the studies have shown to work very well for keeping your bone mass. Very good question. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks for joining us today. An open phone line to invite you to join us toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, 1-800-307-3002. So when do we start? Because many, much of the research has told us that that uh, bone density is something that we start banking early in life. So when do we start vitamin D supplementation, Luke? Wow, I'm glad you asked that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Time to start now. Yeah. I don't care who you are, how old you are, now. Uh, don't don't walk. Run to your health food store and uh, look for 1,000 or 2,000 IU D3 per pill. You can find it in hard gelatin capsules and also in soft gels. Uh, forget about the amount you're getting in a multi or uh, a calcium supplement already. That's that's okay. Add, add up your vitamin D from supplements, and it should come out to around 2,000. So if you're not taking any other supplements then you should do 2,000 per pill. If you're taking a multi and a calcium with vitamin D, then take the 1,000 I use per day pill. That way you want to get up to about 2,000 because uh, most people only get 100 or 200 out of the diet. And you may get that much out of the sun in the summer. Uh, So in other words, you can see that if you want to really, really get optimal bone health, mm-hmm. your, the D has to go up. 
and that's the kind of blood levels that you get if you were running around naked in the sun all day long. Now, what about wintertime versus summertime? Should we stay consistent with that 2,000 international units, or should we uh, go up further if, uh, for, for example, we live in Boston or Seattle or, or Detroit are listening to you, Luke? Right. Oh, yes, in the wintertime, because there's less sun in general, vitamin D levels do go down in, in people. But really, if you're taking 2,000 IUs or getting 2,000 IUs a day all year round, you store up enough that you can get through the winter without dipping below your optimal level. Uh, you could take more during the winter to keep the blood levels way up there, but that's it's not really necessary. But if you are consistent with the 1,000 or 2,000 IUs per day of vitamin D supplements, then you're going to keep your blood levels where it belongs to keep your bone mass up. That's the point, is that uh, vitamin D has been associated with the disease called rickets, which is osteomalacia or bone softening. And the RDA of 400 IUs or even 200 IUs is okay to prevent that in children and adults, but it's not enough to stop bone loss, which is osteoporosis, that takes place a lot longer and slower throughout a lifetime. And that's where you need optimal vitamin D levels. Uh, fortunately, these experts have checked out the safety of, of vitamin D at these dosages, and it is well below any of the safety limits for vitamin D. In fact, everything in the books, in the, the uh, nutrition textbooks, is old and should be thrown away. It's completely out of date and way behind the time. So if somebody says, yeah, but this book here says that 2,000 I use the upper <laughs> limit, uh, boy, are they dinosauric uh, dinosaurs. Oh, uh, booze. Throw let's, it out. Let's say hello and welcome to Kathy. You're on the air with Dr. Luke Bucci, Kathy. Hi. Good morning, Deborah. Hi, Dr. Uh, Bucci. I have a question about my daughter. My daughter's 30 years old, and her doctor did a bone density on her because she has several palsy and she's quadriplegic. Uh, her T-score came back as a minus 2.13 in the hip and a minus 1.17 in the spine. Um, she gave us a prescription for vitamin D, but I believe that for 50,000 units that she's supposed to take once a week for 12 weeks, I believe the prescription form is not D3. Am I right in that? Absolutely correct. That's Drizdol, which is the prescription form of vitamin D that's been available since the, the 50s. Mm-hmm. And at, at those doses, it actually does help with bone and get your total vitamin D levels up to the right range. So since the, your physician has been recommending that, uh, I would stick with it. It's still going to work, uh, even though it's, it's the synthetic form. The body does uh, convert it into the, the proper, very activated forms. Uh, her it's vitamin, just a little less efficient. Her vitamin D level was 21. Okay. depends what kind of units, but regardless of which units, that's low. Uh-huh. So is that before she was starting on this, this vitamin D? I haven't started her on the vitamin D okay. because what I had been doing, I'd been when I saw them do the bone density, I could see the line going down into osteopenia. So during the month that I waited for the results in the doctor's visit, I gave her Ultra Bone up for that month, and she had a hard time swallowing that. So I just switched over. I take vitamin D uh, three and also MK seven, the vitamin K. So I've been giving her that. Oh, wonderful. Let your physician physician know about that, of course. I did tell her that, uh, but she told me I was spending a lot of money. 
Ah, well, I'll talk more about vitamin K later on today. That was the next topic, but that's you're you're doing the right thing with vitamin K there. But that prescription vitamin D, uh, the, the ergocalciferol, at that kind of dosage will raise vitamin D blood levels into the right range. So since that's prescribed by a physician, I, I definitely stick with that and uh, see what your physician thinks about using vitamin D3. But for now, I'd stick with it. it. It will help. It will work. Now, when I start this weekly program of the 50,000, do I not give her the vitamin D3 at that time? That's something you want to check with your physician. I, I, I would think not, but I would ask your physician just to be sure. Uh, because uh, with 50,000 a week, you're still not into a, a toxic range or there's no real safety issues. Look, hold that thought. We don't want to miss a minute of the answer, Kathy. Back to you, back to others. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today talking about the health of women's bones on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the woman who is single-handedly changing the face of health care. Hey, can we get a little help here, please? She shouldn't have to do this alone. Here's Deborah Ray. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today. He's a well-known expert in the field of nutritional research, education, uh, uh, science, a clinician as well. He joins us today with his hat on as the Vice President of Research for Shift Nutrition International. We were talking about vitamin D with Kathy. I didn't want to cut that answer short. Kathy, welcome back. All right. Yes, thanks. So I guess the moral of the story is that uh, that, that prescription vitamin D is such a, a large dose that it does get the vitamin D blood levels up to the proper range for best bone health. And uh, if you want to add vitamin D3 to it, I think that might be a little overkill, but definitely check with your physician on that. And uh, that also brings up vitamin K. And it, you are using the exact proper form of vitamin K for bones. And uh, the uh, the usual doses that are in the products of uh, that MK7 form of vitamin K are good enough uh, to, to help bring the, those blood levels where they need to be to help bone mass out also. So okay. the vitamin K I can use while I'm on that high prescription of vitamin D? Yes. And yes. I also give her a strontium. Away from oh, okay. calcium, mm-hmm. is, is that okay to do while she's on that uh, vit- large dose vitamin D? Uh, yes, that's also fine. There, there's no problem with the strontium. It actually is the, one of those uh, mineral helpers that that we've kind of forgotten about for the bone. And after this uh, 12-week period, do I get her vitamin D level checked again? I think that'd be a good idea. That way, uh, your physician and you will know if that dose is working. And and if so, you might be able to cut back a little bit, or if not, then you need to check with your physician about how to get it up further. But 12 weeks is about the right time to see the uh, ultimate change in vitamin D levels after adding a supplement like that. So it should tell you exactly where your daughter's at. Oh, thank you so much. I love your program, Deborah. Thank you, Kathy, thank you for, for joining your us help. today. Okay, we've got 30 seconds to talk vitamin K. Obviously, we're going to have to do part two and part three. Well, um, actually, vitamin K also is good for the cardiovascular system, which is our topic for next week in excellent. women's health. So I can uh, talk a little bit more about it then. But, yes, there there are a couple kinds of vitamin K, and research has now gotten to the point where we know exactly which form of which type of vitamin K is the right one that won't interfere with those uh, anticoagulant drug medications. So that's the good news that we can get in depth with next week. 
absolutely. And, of course, all those factors like keeping active, hormonal balance, staying away from the risk factors like too much uh, animal protein and smoking, excessive drinking, all make a difference in the health of our bones. Luke, great job. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome, Deborah. Great job. Dr. Luke Bucci joining us today. If you want more information, shiftvitamins.com, 800 526-6251. It's our focus each and every week on science-based nutrient supplementation. Our thanks to Dr. Luke Bucci. Our thanks to you. I'm Deborah reminding you, live long, stay healthy.